fasten your seat belt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. As if. You're going to ask me. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Oh, it is the 30-something movie podcast. I've got jungle fever. He's got jungle fever. Okay, I, wasn't, I, I was going to try not to sing, but it's kind of, you know, before oh, we started recording, Pat, your first response, your first thing was, man, the soundtrack. Oh, this is, this is a phenomenal soundtrack. Well, I mean, let's look at who did the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder wrote all the songs. Mm-hmm. Terrence Blanchard wrote all the uh, orchestral score. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, the soundtrack is amazing. And they had a whole lot of, like, Frank Sinatra. And, like, the music was so good in this. That's what I got. And they hit you with it right from the beginning, too. Yeah, you get hit right at the very beginning with that. So um, I, I'm kind of jumping in a little prematurely here. I should probably tell the people, based, I mean, who we are and what we're doing here. Not a bad idea, I probably, suppose. Probably not a bad idea. Tell um, the people who we are. Apparently, I've got podcast fever is what I've got. Um, so I've got, uh, Pat, I don't even know I've what that is. I've got podcast fever. Go. He's got podcast fever. I don't know what the rest of it be. Stevie I, Wonder is just so good. God, he is so good. When is the episode about Stevie Wonder's awesomeness? Uh, whenever you want to do it. All right, man. Let's do it. Let's fire that up. Dang. Uh, you can hear right now. You can hear the voice of Pat Canigallo. Hey, hey. And then somewhere there in the background, background vocals is uh, Bo Warmbold. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. Well, our movie this time around is Jungle Fever. Before we get going, we spoil freely, so be warned. Uh, we are also members of the Scene Stealers Podcast Network. Um, they have got a, uh, a top-class roster of movie and TV stars ready to be booked now for your Comic-Con or event. For more information, check out scenestealersglobal.com. And then you can visit our website, 30podcast.com. It's got all kinds of good stuff there. You can rate our show, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon, and get access to all kinds of other great bonus content that's there. Um, so head over there and do that, if you will. Um, before we get going, this is our first episode of the month. So we are going to jump back in time, hop in the DeLorean, 
fire up that flux capacitor, and we're going to go back to this month in 91. So September 1991. Uh, some news from September 91. September 2nd, we have Rope in the Wind, the third studio, the third studio album by Garth Brooks. Um, <laughs> I talk real good. Yeah. Um, you do. Don't worry. I can talk that way. Many of my friends are Southern. Um, so September 2nd, Rope in the Wind. I'm I'm from the South, so it's okay. Uh, the third studio album by Garth Brooks is released. It was the Billboard Album of the Year for 1992. Um, September 6th, the name St. Petersburg is restored to Russia's second largest city, which had been renamed Leningrad in 1924. I remember when that happened. You remember that? That's great. Like, well, yeah, and it's, I mean, obviously I was alive then, but I, I remember when that I remember when that happened. Yeah, I, th- I kind of felt like I remember that one, too. Uh, September 10th, the rock band Nirvana releases their single Smells Like Teen Spirit, um, often dubbed the anthem of Generation X. And then September 30th, Jerry Springer's tabloid talk show, The Jerry Springer Show, debuts. Jerry, oh, wow. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. 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 Okay, did, you, did any of you guys ever sneak off to go to The Jerry Springer Show? <laughs> no. No? Okay. No, but I did. Uh, I did meet him. Oh, you did. Yeah, he. If I remember correctly, yeah, yeah, that was Jerry. Um, his daughter went to college at one of the two schools in Lake Forest. Really? I think it was Barra before it shut down. Yeah. Oh, and they cool. would come into the Lantern once in a while back when I was working. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah, nice okay. enough guy. Yeah. He's great with his his daughter. I, I there was they were very close. I mm-hmm. you could tell. Like we see a lot of parents in and out of there, you know. Yeah. I question it's, though, are you sure he's the father? Well, no. <laughs> it's okay. Jerry. Okay. Let's find um, out. <laughs> how is it? Oh. Or I'm I'm sorry. No, the DNA test is that that wasn't Donahue. Who who was that? No, that was that was Springer. And then Springer, he Springer at the end, he Springer did it. You I don't are. think he started it though. Not yeah. wasn't it Maury? It was, it was Maury. That nonsense. Maury Povich was that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I, remember, Springer did him too, but okay. I think Maury was the the pioneer. If you want to yeah. use sure. those words, sure. Why not? Let's and then use whatever words you want. Trailblazer. Sure. Wasn't that Morton Downey Jr. also had a show? I don't remember. Him. Oh, I just he remember had him. a show. He might have done. Gosh, was DNA he didn't, back then? He didn't. No, but he didn't do that. You're right. Well, <laughs> Springer was like a Springer was like a like a some kind of a civic leader. Or he was the mayor or Congress, like a state Congress person, wasn't he? I mean, he was in political office and everything. He was a not a judge, but I don't know. I thought. Uh, let's see, Jerry Springer. Well, he definitely is affiliated with the Democratic Party. They call that out. Yeah, political career. Wow. Patrick with the deep cut. In yeah, 1970, was- Springer ran for Congress. He failed to unseat Donald Clancy, but took 45% of the vote in a traditionally Republican district. Uh, Springer was elected to the Cincinnati City, City Council in 71. <laughs> Here it is, boys. He resigned in 74 after admitting to soliciting a prostitute. <laughs> there it is. There you go. Well, and I, since since Pat brought that up, we cannot leave this. Uh, we cannot let this go. You've been Pat Splained. There it is. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> I feel like it's been a couple episodes since we had since we used that. So. I would agree. It has been some time. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'll, yeah. Hey, you know what? Yeah. I, I still have used that once or twice with my wife. Okay. Gotten in trouble both times. She didn't speak to me for a week. You think? <laughs> yeah, I do. It was pretty rough. <laughs> oh, and then a, a very sensitive question gets asked, and then Pat. Pat just rejected your question. Yeah. Oh, okay. oh, and that's the sound of Pat sleeping on the couch. That's that's right. <laughs> I used that in class the other day. We have assigned seats. There's a reason for assigned seats. We all know the reason for assigned seats. There's a yes. little thing called contact tracing. Anyways, yes. um, kids in the side, and all of a sudden one day they all just decide to sit in other places. And so I actually use that sound effect. I'm like, oh, and we get to this seat and who's, you know, who should be sitting there? Oh, it's Pat. Pat's not sitting in the right seat. And then the kid gets up and moves. And mm-hmm. like, you know, after four or five times, they all got their idea. And, yeah. But I wish I would have had, you know, I needed to have that button. I know. See, that's what I kept that thinking was, is, is that should have been like with the remote teaching stuff that we had to do. Oh. I'd say we, I didn't have to do any of it, uh, but that you guys had to do in the last year or so. It would have been the perfect time for me to, to have still been in the classroom because I have the soundboard and I could have yeah. totally used everything on here. Right. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. And John, well, for you and Bo, both of you. Yeah, you didn't have to do any online teaching. You just had to make sure that it was up and running and had tech support and the hardware and the software. And so, in essence, you had to do all of it. You know what I'm saying? It was kind of like you had to build the world. We just got to inhabit it. So before you undercut yourself, uh, you know, both you guys, you kind of you kind of had to make it actually happen. I don't know you about know what John. I'm I'll take my side of that deal right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm. I don't. I don't want to get another Pat's playing thing, but no, I'm. I'm going on the record saying you guys earned every penny that you made. You know, for doing that. Well, it's, you know, some people just want to watch the world burn. That's right. And fiddle. And and fiddle. Don't forget, at the same time. if you're going to yeah. watch the world burn, mm-hmm. you have to fiddle. Yeah. Uh oh. Wait, we're recording. Aren't we? We're in the show. Okay, I'm keeping we're in my the mouth show. shut. <laughs> I was going to throw something, but that'll. When will when will then be now? <laughs> Okay, I can't. I can't say that that when, some people want to watch the world burn. I had a had a rebuttal, but I'm going to keep that one to myself. Okay. All right. Okay. I want to make sure you. I want to keep you employed, Pat. I like being employed. No, okay. it's not. No one at nobody at our fine place of employment. I'm. Okay. All right. I'm going on the record. Like, hey, man. Like <laughs> everybody that's gone in and out of there, man, working their mm-hmm. working their took us off to make that thing happen. You know, from from the custodians on down there i'll tell you it's yeah. it's been quite an undertaking but yeah you guys like you guys ran remote learning so oh it's fun times for everybody <laughs> oh yeah that that's that's good times were had by all so yeah so back to the jerry springer thing no i never did i remember people would take off sometimes they ditch school and go downtown to get to a, a taping of the jerry springer show and i never did do that i never i never ditched school so i did not go down and partake you mean you never got caught ditching school? Right? No, I, I never did school. I was a good kid. Wow. Yeah. Except for that time you jumped out the window. That was not ditching school. I waited until the bell rang. It, it yeah, was, but you said you were a good kid. I I, I dismissed myself out the window. I, su- I submit <laughs> that maybe, you know. I dismissed myself out the window. <laughs> yes. Um, so let's see. Births in September of 91, September 5th. Um, Skandar Keens. Uh, which is either a member of the Klingon High Council or it was an English actor uh, who played Edmund in the Narnia movies. 
Oh. I, feel like, I feel like Skandar could be a, a good Klingon name. I would that think, yeah. Uh, deaths in September. So here's, like, this was kind of big time. Um, you know how they always say, like, major deaths come in threes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, September 91 had some major deaths. September 3rd, Frank Capra, the director of It's a Wonderful Life, died at age 94. Oh, jeez. <laughs> September 24th, Dr. Seuss, Theodore Geisel, uh, he died at age 87. And September 28th, Miles Davis, the jazz trumpeter, dies of pneumonia at age 65. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of death in September of 91. Yeah. Uh, sports, yeah. September 4th, the Major League Baseball Statistical Accuracy Committee uh, votes to drop an asterisk next to Roger Maris's 1961 home run record of 61, passing Babe Ruth's 60, and they determine an official no-hitter must go at least nine innings. Hmm. Uh, top book in September of 91 was The Sum of All Fears by Tom Clancy. Top oh, movies were Dead Again, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and The Fisher King. And the top songs for September of 91 were Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams, The Promise mm-hmm. of a New Day by Paula Abdul, and I Adore Mia More by Color Me Bad. All right. Sum of All Fears is a good book. Yes. I have That's not read. Stuff. I have not read any Tom Clancy, so I have not read that one. Well, you should. They're pretty good. Yeah. Now that's that's a really good one, and the movie does not do it justice at all. Okay. You know, I, I'm gonna. Yeah, I have I, seen the movie, but it, it. Did you hear? Did you listen to the uh, the uh, um, friendly fire podcast talk about some of all fears? Yes, I found their 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 discussion of that movie. I found it particularly interesting. And it actually made me go and give that movie like a like a second watch. I enjoyed the movie. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I I mean the movies are good, but the books just have so much to them. It, it's hard that any of the movies can really do them justice. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? No, totally. Patriot Games is really good. The the books are good. Some of all fears. All right. Well, our movie this time around is Jungle Fever. The release date was the 7th of June, 1991. It was rated R with a runtime of two hours and 12 minutes. Directed, produced, and written by Spike Lee, who also did Mo' Better Blues, Malcolm X, and Do the Right Thing. Cinematography was done by Ernest R. Dickerson, who also did The Brother from Another Planet and the TV series Tales from the Dark Side. Editor was Sam Pollard, who did Clockers and Bamboozled. Music was done by Terrence Blanchard, who also did Inside Man and Black Klansman. Um, we also Stevie Wonder as well. Um, budget was 14 million. Box office was 43.9 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 68%. Cinema Score did not have a score for this one. Wesley Snipes plays Flipper Purify. He was also in Blade, Demolition Man, and White Men Can't Jump. Annabella. Oh, I meant to look up how you say her last name. How do you? How would you guys say her last name? Um... I meant to look it up because I mean she's we. Sharon and I have watched you know several TV shows. Yeah. She's been in, and, and we loved her in uh, What Dreams May Come, and I always forget how to pronounce her last name. You guys Let's know, you see remember? what the master Google has. Is it Sciorra? That's what I thought. That's how I've always said it. Yeah, that's probably how I would say it. Okay. I'm going to go with that then. Mm. Oh, no, wait a minute. Uh-oh. Uh, there is a Chicago Tribune article here that says it's pronounced Shiora. 
Shiora. Shiora. Mm. That is. Shiora. Yeah, I think that's how. Um, Wikipedia is okay. printing it as well. All right, so Annabella Shiora, cousin Shiora. to Prince Adam of Eternia. <laughs> that's where <laughs> I was. Thinking. There we go. All right, so Shiora. All right, I I sit corrected. Okay. All right, uh, so Annabella Shiora played Angie Tucci. Uh, she was in The Hand That Rocks the Cradle and What Dreams May Come. Spike Lee played Cyrus. He was in Mo Better Blues and Malcolm X. Ossie Davis, who died in 2005, played the good Reverend Dr. Purify. Uh, Grumpy Old Man and Bubba Hotep. He was in those two. Have you guys seen Bubba Hotep? No. Oh, I feel no. like you'd enjoy that. I'm going to, you know what? I think I, do I have a copy of that? I think I have a copy of that. If I have a copy of that, I'm going to pass that copy around and, and have it make the rounds. Uh, it is, uh, it's Bruce Campbell and Ossie Davis, <laughs> and they are in a retirement home together as a couple of old men, and they have to fight the undead. Mm. Nothing wrong with any of that. Like an undead mummy. It's, it's all kinds of good stuff. And uh, Ossie, yeah. Davis, uh, Ossie Davis is convinced that he is John F. Kennedy. Oh, well, there you go. And I it think Bruce getting better. And I think Bruce Campbell is supposed to be Elvis Presley. So huh. it's, it's all kinds of good stuff. I'll I'll share it with you. Yeah, man. Uh, Ruby D, who died in 2014, played Lucinda Purify. She was an American gangster and just cause. Samuel L. Jackson played Gator Purify. Uh, he was in Pulp Fiction and Snakes on a Plane. Lonette McKee played Drew. She was in Brewster's Millions and Men of Honor. John Turturro played Polly Carbone. He was in Barton Fink and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Frank Vincent, who died in 2017, played Mike Tucci. He was in Goodfellas and Casino. Anthony Quinn, who died in 2001, played Lou Carbone. He was in The Guns of Navarone and Lawrence of Arabia. Halle Berry, who played Vivian, was in Monsters Ball and the X-Men movies. Tyra Farrell played Orin Good. She was in Boys in the Hood and White Men Can't Jump. And Veronica Webb played Vera. She was in Malcolm X and Zoolander. A married black uh, architect named Flipper begins an affair with Angie, his white secretary. Uh, when the news is leaked through an acquaintance, Flipper's wife kicks him out of the house. Flipper decides to begin courting his mistress, only to be greeted by disapproval from friends, family, and even strangers. The relationship continues to be strained in a society not ready to accept it, and people are hurt during its inception. Here is the trailer for that, and we'll be back in just a moment. Why are we out here tonight, Flipper? All right, you got to promise me that you're not going to tell anyone. My lips are sealed. Come on, what happened? All right, but you got to swear. I mean, this is like swearing on a stack of Bibles, swearing on like a zillion rosary beads. I swear on my great-grandmother, OK? We swear, we swear what? I, I cheated on Drew. I'm saying somebody. You too, Tyra? Who are you seeing? Oh. Man, I thought you were going to drop a bomb. I. And what is he, like blonde, blue-eyed, surfer type? Hey, dude. Right? <laughs> She's white. White! Yeah, you... Hey, well, he's black. If your father ever found out, I don't know. She's Italian. H-bomb. From Vincenthurst. Nuclear megaton bomb. Hey, look, this is the 90s. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? The both of you's got jungle fever. The both of you. Your home. Where you listen to me? 
like Jonah was cast out of the belly of the whale. You had to eventually go get yourself a white girl, didn't you? What do you mean, eventually? What a tramp, what a slut. Do you know there's only one thing he could possibly want from her? You gonna give him a beating? Ah, My father did that already. It don't even matter what color she is. My man is gone. <laughs> this summer. Why don't you pull a car over, pal? I mean, I, I don't want any trouble, you know? I promise. Just pull it over. From director Spike Lee. Welcome to the Taj Mahal. Eighth wonder of the world. Yeah, the mama wants to know where the TV is. It's right here. Me and Viv smoking the color TV. Jungle Fever. Wesley Snipes. Annabella Sciorra. Spike Lee. Ossie Davis, Ruby D, Samuel L. Jackson, Lynette McKee, John Turturro, Frank Vincent, and Anthony Quinn. We got a big problem, you and her. Original songs by Stevie Wonder. All right, I should have just played the trailer first, and then I would have known it was Shiora. <laughs> okay, I want to take a second. Thank you, Mr. Big Voice Announcer Man, for... In a world. Open us up. In a, exactly. Everybody needs to buy every Stevie Wonder album they can. Everyone needs to buy every Terrence Blanchard album they can. They're fantastic musicians. Fantastic music. I was able to hear Terrence Blanchard play like two or three times live. Amazing. Trumpet player, band, composed like Stevie Wonder. Check it out. I just like the soundtrack was absolutely amazing in this movie. Just, I, it, the, the whole thing was amazing. I just, okay, I'm done. I'm muting myself because it's amazing. The whole thing, amazing. That's all I got. All I'm good. done. I'm out. It's all good. It's amazing. All right. Uh, well, Jungle Fever, I, I told Bo before we started recording, and I think I, I think I pulled this here, so I think I can pop it right here. Um, I had never seen this movie before, and my only my only frame of reference for it was actually a scene from The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Hmm. So there's a scene in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where um, somebody in their family is getting married. Somebody in their family, who's obviously African-American, is getting married to someone white. And so um, uh, I think Will walks into the room and Carlton is there, and, and then there's this scene. <laughs> Will, what are you doing in that tux? I'm, I'm going to the, to the, um, to, to the thing. Wait a minute, I can say it to you. I'm going to the wedding, man. Great, then you'll get to see my surprise. Since Aunt Janice is of the Negroid persuasion and Frank is of the Caucasoid persuasion, I've compiled a special medley of songs. Give a listen. Ebony and Ivory Limp together in perfect harmony Because the world is black the world is white It turns by day And then by night Since she's got jungle fever He's got jungle fever They've got jungle fever We're in love <laughs> So anyway, that's the only place I knew jungle fever from So this is the first time having seen this one for me um, And I, just initial thoughts on it um, I'm going to start off with, with no other explanation other than just a quick initial thought. Um, I'm going to start off with, it could have been so good. Yep. That's my initial thought. Bo, sounds like you feel the same way. 
Yeah, I wanted so much more from it. I was I was going in with high expectations, being that it was Spike Lee and some of the cast that was in it, and it just didn't do it for me in the end. And part of it, you know, we talk about target audience sometimes. Not sure I'm that for this movie. Um, but yeah, I wanted more in a lot of places. Okay. Patrick, what about you? What, what's your initial response? No explanation, no... My initial response? Yeah, just quick quick initial response. Is this the first time you'd seen it, too? First time I'd seen it. Okay. I'd heard of it. Yeah. I remember seeing trailers. I remember, you know... But, I mean, I, I was too young to really appreciate, like, what the thing was about. Um, okay, here. My initial response was, Oh my God, the music was amazing. Like that was the big, I I can't disagree with. I mean, the music is darn good. Oh, it's fantastic. And and so like, if no explanation, I'm I'm trying listening audience. I, uh, yeah, like, Oh my gosh, this is an amazing score. And really added so much to how I perceived what was happening on screen, whether it was, used in an an ironic way, whether it was used in a, um, well, now I'm getting into the explanation that we're not supposed to have. So Uh, I'll, I'll I'll pack that out. I mean, the the music just added so much to the movie. That was my gut reaction with the film. Okay. All right. Um, I did, before I forget, I I did want to include this in here. Um, our friend Jason Colvin from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast, uh, and the also fantastic podcast full of kryptonite, um, he uh, he had mentioned. I asked him. I said, uh, I said, have you guys have you got any thoughts on the next couple of movies we're doing? And he said, uh, he said, funny thing that he remembers. The only thing he really remembers about Jungle Fever is that um, he remembers the poster of the interlocked fingers. You know that where you've got the the black fingers and the white fingers kind of interlocked with each other. And he said uh, his wife is Cherokee, and he said obviously he is he is very very white. And he said sometimes when they hold hands with each other, they look at each other, they laugh, and they say Jungle Fever. Okay. Oh, that's funny. So he's like, "Yep." Yeah. He's like, "That's pretty much the only thing I remember about Jungle Fever." So cool. Um, yeah. So I, I guess diving a little bit more into the the movie itself, the plot of the movie. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, the plot of the movie is not super complicated. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned it before the trailer got played, and the, and the trailer pretty much told you most of it. Um, is you've got Flipper, who uh, they call him Flipper. Flipper, faster than lightning. Um, yeah, I couldn't get that out of my head most of the movie either. Uh-huh. It was driving me crazy. Yeah. There's also a, it's it's, it's very non uh, PC joke by uh, comedian John Panette about Fippa is a big fish oh. and uh-huh. couldn't get it out of my head. Yep. It was, and that might have been the other reason. I'm like, I, I just can't, oh, I can't get out of it. Uh, well, and then Gator, we had one of the times that we moved houses, we had a, one of the movers names was Gator. So that's. that's oh, wow. I thought, I thought of that the whole time. So did you ever find out the movers real name? Was it Marvin? Um, I don't think it was Marvin. I think his real okay. name was actually Gator. Oh, wow. There yeah. you go. So, um, yeah. So with this one, it's it, Flipper seems that we start the movie off. Uh, he's he's with his wife. Um, and I'm using quote fingers saying with his wife uh, at the very, very beginning of the movie there. And um, 
we uh, we kind of quickly transition to he's in the office. He's got a new uh, temp that he has to work with because I guess the other one left. He's not thrilled because he requested an African-American temp. This one is is white and Italian, and he meets her, not impressed with her. Um, but then things kind of uh, escalate quickly uh, over Chinese takeout, which apparently that's I'm, – I'm hoping that's a very popular Chinese takeout restaurant because, man, that food worked fast. Right. Um, but, yeah. And uh, the movie kind of goes from there. Is uh, he, he begins to have an affair with her, and things mostly fall apart because they are – you know, two different races. And that's kind of the rest of the movie deals with the idea of, you know, everybody seems to have more of a problem. I almost want to say everybody has more of a problem with the fact that she's white rather than with the fact that he cheated on his wife. I yeah, mean, that is definitely the focus. Yeah. So, and, But I think that goes to... Some of that is going to Spike Lee's style. He's trying to evoke that conversation and, and, and bring that up. And I think, you know, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I bet you he would have said, oh, there's plenty of movies about guys cheating on their wives. You know, yeah. he was trying to explore something different. Yeah. Uh, so and yeah, I, it did seem there was yeah. a little more paid to that than maybe. Yeah. Well, and I get that, you know, for us, and I should have prefaced this before as well, because when I when I told my wife when we were watching this movie, one of her first comments was, oh, okay, so it's another Spike Lee movie uh, where it's going to be you guys watch this movie and then it's three white guys sitting around talking about it. Like, yeah. yes, yes, pretty much. I'm, that's, yeah, that's true. Um, so I do want to preface it with that, is that I'm not sure... I'm not sure how much to the conversation we necessarily have to add uh, about the idea of interracial relationships. And um, I, I have never been in an interracial relationship, so I can't speak from firsthand experience about anything that's in this movie. Um, I'm just commenting on it as a movie itself and, and the merits of itself as a piece of film. But um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of stuff that my opinion may or may not be valid. Uh, to certain people. So we'll just, we'll leave that on the table right there. Yeah. You know, uh, and that's the thing that I felt watching this movie is that I enjoyed, I don't know if it's the right term, but I thought the conversations were very uh, instructive and, and good to hear. Like, I don't think I really have much to add to the conversation. Um, but I mean, you know, which is going to be hard for the podcast. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of what, uh, I think we could all use a dose more of these days as we got two ears and one mouth. Let's listen twice as much as we speak kind of thing. And, and that's what I, I really enjoyed in this is just hearing the conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I heard that that scene was improvised, but I thought it was, I thought the one that was particularly strong uh, or powerful was when the wives and girlfriends and all that were sitting around and, you know, hearing that, um, hearing that conversation and, I've what did uh, what did Spike Lee's character call it? War Council. Uh, War Council. That was it. Right. Well, and that was the thing is 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 you know you have this where you know it's this very deep conversation, but there was this underlying. I don't know if it was comic relief or what, but I mean, even look at the theme song, right? You know, Jungle Fever. I mean, it's a real upbeat kind of hip hop. Eh, no funk. More, I don't know. Well, hip hop is kind of thing. I mean, Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah. It, I mean, right. it's just 
it felt gonna, more funky to me, but yeah, it was a funky R and B tune, right? I mean, it's just fantastic because Stevie Wonder is fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, that was the thing is that you get those things juxtaposed where it's a real deep conversation. I mean, one that well, obviously, has been had for at least thirty years, and I I don't know. I think it's just important to sit and listen. So, like I said, I, I don't have much in the way of opinions. There's nothing I really can offer other than just my ears and you know. Um, I thought that was pretty powerful, but I, I will say what you guys said too, is it was hard to pick a person to get behind in this because, you know, he, he had a wife and kid and what are you doing? Like I, I, boy, it's not my place to tell someone how to, to do their, their art. And I, I would imagine everything has a purpose for why he, he put the film together that way. But it was like, I don't know. I could maybe get behind this a little bit more if there wasn't that underlying, um, underlying thing of he has a wife. Really seemed to be a pretty wonderful relationship mm-hmm. with the wife. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was like, wow, I that's pretty pretty amazing. You know, like you you know you seem very close with your wife. You're close with your child. You're you know so many things are going on, and what what are you what are you doing so my two my two things that i wrote down i wrote down a few things while i was watching and the two things two of the things that i wrote down um key in exactly on what you were just talking about um one of them is the idea of and i'm i'm right there with you on the conversation with the wives the war council if we want to call it that um that was probably the best conversation in the whole movie some of the other conversations to me seemed almost a little cartoonish um, you know, especially, especially the guys in the candy store, you know, when, when they were talking about stuff, anytime it yeah, got to be, they, I mean, the, gosh, the, Italians, the stereotypical yeah. Italian talking over each other, not really saying anything. And yeah. Yeah. So well, the, here, the wives, the wives thing was one of my favorite conversations. And that kind of brought me to my, one of my things I wrote down was, does it, if, if Spike Lee's point of this movie is to get people talking about whether or not an interracial relationship can truly work, if, if that's the idea behind this movie, um, does it distort that message or does it, does it make it more difficult to have that conversation when it starts with an adulterous relationship? You know, would this movie have been different? Would it been able, would you have been able to have that conversation without all the other noise if it was just about a white person and a black person being in a relationship with each other and how people react to it, rather than adding in the whole piece of he's cheating. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things I thought about was I, I felt like, you know, if, if your point of this movie is trying to, cause I know a lot of Spike Lee's movies, he's trying to bring up a, a, a point or trying to bring up, you know, some kind of conversation. Um, does it muddy the waters of the conversation to have it have been a cheating relationship as opposed to just a simple, you know, we, we got together, we were two different races, you know, did we get together for the right reasons, that kind of stuff. Well, and I'm, I'm going to be getting right out over my skis, but that was even part of the conversation. It was, and I was lost in the movie. Like I didn't see the motivation. Like why did he do this? Why did the, the architect character, why, 
why was this character doing this? That was right? the, that was the first thing I wrote down is what was so wrong? I think I actually wrote down what was wrong with Flipper and Drew's relationship that he would cheat. And then I put right. then I put in in quotations uh, on my paper curiosity question mark question mark because that was something that came up as yeah well they they only did this because they were curious I'm like really yeah. yeah like a lot of things in this mo- in this movie they felt unmotivated from a story standpoint and yeah I think that's one of those it left me wanting more I I didn't quite get it and and it's the statement that that's what will happen. I, I mean, and that was, that was the piece that, again, I, I really need to listen to the conversation. Cause I'm, I can only ask questions like say, I'm, I'm a little confused. Like I, I'm not even going to hazard a guess. I don't want, you know, but that was, that was a, the piece watching it. It was, yeah. Why, why is this happening? And it did come up, right. Cause they did say, well, that's just happens because mm-hmm. like you said, curiosity, but I, well, and I feel like maybe that's why this movie, and I, and I'll come right out and say it, I don't feel like this movie has aged very well. Like, I don't think it fits very well in 2021, um, mm-hmm. just because, I mean, I don't think, and, and here, if, if I'm being naive, somebody please correct me on this, I don't think the idea of an interracial relationship is the same as it was in 1991. I don't think it's as much of a big deal. That's, that's not to say that there aren't communities or or individuals for whom for whom they still have a problem with interracial relationships but i feel like i mean we've probably come a long way in terms of that in 30 years maybe not as far as we should but you know whatever um it doesn't seem to me that this probably holds up 30 years later because it just there were several things in this movie that that i look at and i go that's just not, I, I don't feel like that would be a big deal today. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but but at the same time, too, I'm like, nah, I, I kind of lost my train of thought there. But um, the idea, I mean, what I was trying to get across is I just, I don't know that I feel like this movie holds up very well because it just doesn't, I don't feel like it's the same conversation that we'd be having today. You know, if you're having conversations about race and things like that, um, you know, and, and the whole idea of it being curiosity, like, well, the only reason and I think Spike Lee, I don't know if he said this or this seemed to me coming out of the movie, this seemed to be what he was trying to say was, I feel like Spike Lee was telling us an interracial relationship will not work because an interracial relationship is not genuine. It's based on curiosity alone and it's based on myth. So it won't work. That's what I got from the movie, what I felt like he was trying to say. And if that's not true, then I I completely read it the wrong way. But that's the that's kind of the message I got from the movie was Spike Lee trying to tell me as a as a as a viewer, relationships like these, I I'm telling you straight up, they do not work because it's all based on myth. Oh, okay. I'm not sure that that's true anymore. Maybe it was in the early nineties, but I'm not sure that that's true anymore. That's what I was trying to say before I lost my train of thought, and then I found the track and I hopped on. There it is. But yeah, that was kind of, I, for me, I, I love the music in the movie, like you said, but I, for me it was kind of a, it, it was, like like Bo and I have both said, I, I think it was kind of a, there was, there was so much that I wished had been fleshed out a little bit more, and there were so many things that the pacing seemed too quick 
in certain areas. Like the first, I'd say the first half of the movie, I'm on board. I'm watching. I'm I'm fine. I like the whole side story of Gator and you know his issues. And and Sam Jackson was great in that part, just outstanding um, in that part. And I actually shared something on Twitter earlier today that uh, one of the trivia things about this movie is Sam Jackson was actually only two weeks out from real rehab. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And like, I guess someone said it was just amazing how he looked the part and he's like, yeah, that was me back then. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> it's like, no, that, that wasn't makeup. That was just me. Right. Yeah. So no, I, I would, I would say the first half of the movie I'm on board, I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm, I'm laughing with the humor. I'm there, you know, watching, following the characters. Um, you know, I had some of the same initial reactions. It's like, I don't understand why you did this. I don't see a problem with your life that would motivate you. Uh, Bo, I think you said it, the motivation. It just didn't seem like the motivation was there for anybody. Yeah, like just a lot of it. Like we just talked about it. We didn't feel like he was motivated to cheat. Um, I didn't feel the motivation for a bunch of stuff. Like if a character does something, I want to know what drove them to do that. And it just yeah. didn't seem like anybody was driving anywhere. Samuel Jackson's character had some well, motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think they delved into that in an interesting way, but that was the B plot. You know, it wasn't really the, right. at least I didn't feel like it was the supposed to be the point of the movie. Right. So. And then I'll, I'll, I'll fast forward to the, to the end real quick, because that was the, you know, we were watching the movie and I'm following along and it got to the end of the movie, and all of a sudden, he's back with his wife again, but he's not moved back in with his wife and kid. And, you know, that that scene at the end where he's, again, quote-unquote, with his wife, um, I'm watching that, I'm going, oh, hold, whoa, hold the phone here for a second. This went way too fast. So you decided all the all the resolution, all of the anything to resolve the conflict in their relationship and the cheating and the everything else, you decided to do that off camera. Okay. Mm. I I you know, I Pat, as you always say, nobody's paying me to make a movie. Mm -hmm. But as a viewer, I'm watching that <clears throat> and I'm going, that mm, I'm not sure you would deposit enough into the filmmaking bank to be able to pull that off. In this movie, yeah, like it, it just seemed there's so much missing. I, I see. I felt like I missed 20 minutes of the movie when it jumped to that scene. And I enjoyed watching the film. I mean, there yeah. were definitely some cringe. Oh, and and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed watching it too. It just there were several and, parts that I was like, wait, hold on. Yeah, no, it, it it did seem to go pretty quick, and the motivations weren't always readily explained. <laughs> And then at one level, I kind of took a step back and thought, okay, is the point supposed to be discussing, uh, you know, race relations and dating and relationships? And is there, or is there a statement here and, you know, an overarching statement that's being made here? Or is there not? And the film is just a story about people and life and they do things and make choices and whatever. And is there supposed to be a takeaway for us? Maybe, maybe not. It's just to kind of show you this is a snapshot of 1991. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and again, I, I don't know. I, but that's kind of where I just, 
I don't want to say shut down, but just kind of pulled back and said, okay, I'm looking for the message. I'm looking for the meaning. And maybe this is just about life, you know, and lots of, you know, intolerant people and kind of questioning things. Like when he was talking about, um, when he was talking about stuff with, uh, well, his girlfriend, uh, I forget her name, but, um, Angie, Ita- Angie, and he was saying all that stuff. And then he made some comment about being racist. And she says, well, that's, what do you think you're saying? Mm-hmm. Listen, right. to what you, you know, I mean, you know, there were little things like that, or, I mean, his whole situation in the job, you know, where, I mean, you look at all those types of things, you know, I think I, I made offered a lot to the company. No, it's just not time. Can't do that yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I thought we were going to hire another, you know, well, now it would be person of color, but like another uh, African-American, it was just like, why, why you got to be that way? We hire the best person, mm-hmm. the best human being. Right. And then like, I mean, I don't even know what to say about those two bosses. I mean, Oh my God, they were so like right out of central casting. Mm -hmm. Right. It was the archetypal. Right. Like how would, how would you like to tell her that her performance was not good enough because she's white? Yeah. And then his reaction. What? (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I don't know, but those things just kind of became like a, Again, okay, I'm not sure what the message I'm supposed to be taking from this other than, wow, there's mm-hmm. a lot going on here, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to be making any statements. I, you know, I want to very much be listening to the conversations and mm-hmm. listening to the message. Um, so I, very serious topic and and serious scenes and serious conversations also a lot of funny stuff in here Mm -hmm. and i gotta say like there were several lines where i laughed out loud probably my favorite one was um uh was gator what happened to the color tv mama i smoked the color tv TV. (laughs) his i see why there's a there's a fun little note about I think it's the Can the Can Film Festival introduced the Best Supporting Actor yes. award specifically to honor Samuel L. Jackson. Like this is the reason why they did that one yeah. day because he's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the writing helps a little, but he, just his delivery of all of that stuff. I smoke. <laughs> I smoke the color. I swear before God and four more white people. This is the last time. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good, such a good character. And then such a sad ending to his character too. Yeah. Yeah. The Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor. Reverend Doctor Purify. Any other lines that you guys liked? Any other, any other funny moments, laugh out loud moments in the movie? The whole unintelligible conversation or shouting match between Halle Berry and Sam Jackson mm-hmm. yeah. at one point was just that was just funny. Yeah. And as my I, as as my wife said, do not play the drinking game to any kind of profanity in this movie. No. <laughs> yeah. You will be you'll be drunk in the first twenty minutes. Yeah. I, as uh, uh, you know, I'm sure that uh, 
I'm, I'm not sure that anyone is going to necessarily disagree, but man, those, uh, when he went into the Taj Mahal there, boy, that was just, yeah, that was hard to watch that. That was hard to watch. Like I, I, I struggle with scenes like that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I just yeah. seeing someone all strung out like that and yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Some hard stuff in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But then juxtaposed with humor. Right. So. All right. Well, Bo, I didn't want to forget this one before we go to our three questions here in just a second. Uh, you were not a fan of the uh, the oh. cinematography of the walking. Yeah, I I hate to nitpick things, but and it was the nineties. It was thirty years ago, but I still feel like we'd figured out how to record people while they're walking. And that scene where Spike Lee and Wesley Snipes are supposed to be walking down the street. It was so fake and looked so bad that it took me out of that moment. These two guys are trying to have this serious conversation, and all I can see is two guys standing in place, picking their feet up and down, and watching the background move behind them. Now, maybe there's something there that I'm supposed to get that I'm not, but not impressed. And it was just, it was a little jarring to me. And I know it makes me sound like a like a techno snob but it just it was just one of those things that pulled me straight out and they did that they did that earlier in the movie too they did that when yes. An, when angie um, and Polly were walking yes totally yeah i don't know what the purpose of that was but and it was probably expedient or quick they could shoot it on a green screen real fa- or a blue screen back then probably real fast and then loop it in later. It was probably just a thing. They could just do it instead of going somewhere. But it just, I don't know. It just felt fake. Yeah. All right. So our big takeaways. Uh, movie may not necessarily hold up 30 years later. The music is amazing. Go buy all the albums right now. Um, mm-hmm. It left us wanting more, I think, is our is probably one of our takeaways. Good conversations to be had and to be started, but I think in general, for me, I'll, I'll speak for me and I'll say that the movie left me wanting more. I was I was hoping for more from this one. All right. Well, on that note, then, I think it's time for three questions. Are, are gentlemen, your souls prepared? Ready. Mine is. Okay. How's yours? <laughs> He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, may God have mercy on all of our souls. All right, question number one is, what is your favorite pre-1993 Sam Jackson role? Well, we... Sort of, we tangentially 
sort of referenced this earlier. I think, um, unfortunately, less for that particular moment in time. But he was good in that movie. But the things that character went on to be. But Robbie Jackson from Patriot Games. Mm-hmm. Oh, took mine. Okay. Sorry, Pat. Yeah. Don't be sorry. <laughs> Don't be sorry. But I mean, that was like the pre ninety three stuff. You know, you look. I mean, he bit parts, co stars. You know, whatever the official term is, but he just did it so well. And he was in so much. I mean, I'm scrolling through the movies and it's just like, oh, in 93, he was in like, I don't know, a gajillion movies. 92, he was in a gajillion and one movies. You know, I mean, he just really prolific, yeah. you know. All right, once once 93 hits, it's pretty much, it's the Sam Jackson we know and love that was probably in more movies than anybody else in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going to go with Gator from this movie, like pre-93 stuff, because I'm, I was looking down the list and I was like, OK, well, Jurassic Park is around 93. So pre-93, I mean, we're really looking at, like you said, Patriot Games. Um, we're looking at uh, we're looking at Jungle Fever. We're looking at Goodfellas, uh, Mo Better Blues. Um, the only other one that was in there for me that I that I've actually seen that I would have said maybe is up there is uh, Coming to America when he holds up the okay. restaurant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I'd go Gator. I think this was a great performance. Yes, definitely. All right, question number two. If you went to a candy store like Polly Carbone's, what would you have ordered or bought? So we're talking like a, like a candy store that also has maybe like a malt shop in it. and. <laughs> You said it for me, man. I'd order a malt. Okay. And Bo, you, Bo, you said gummy bears? Is that what you said? Gummy bears. Okay. I'm assuming you've seen that they're building the giant gummy bear factory in Kenosha. I have. Okay. I'm assuming you'll be going when it's completed. Yeah. It's really not good for me that they're doing that. But, okay. But yeah. <laughs> well, the Jelly Belly one is gone, so we got to have something to replace it. Well, yeah. At least the Jelly Belly one didn't, like, speak to me from a distance. Okay. This one, unfortunately, does. It does speak to you. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, I think I got to go milkshake because I remember um, as a kid, my one of my uncles was, my aunt and my uncle on one side were pharmacists. And the pharmacy they had was like, it was, it was kind of like, even up until, I'd say, early 90s, mid 90s, um, it was in a small town. It was old timey pharmacy. So it was pharmacy, and then they had comic books. They had the malt shop area. Nice. Um, it was it was good old good old stuff. And every time I go in there, I get a chocolate milkshake or chocolate malt. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's what I would do as well. All right. Question three: You ask for a raise, and they reject you. How do you react? Do you immediately hand in your letter of resignation, or do you uh, do you stick it out, or do you pick up a chair and throw it? Drop your keys on the desk, turn around and walk out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Turn, in, I think, turn uh, in your badge and your gun and just walk out the door. Mm-hmm. For me, I'd be like, okay, I like, all right, that's fine. What do I got to do to like, you know, up my game? Mm-hmm. And then what's their answer? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if their answer is just stringing me along. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a, no, you really got to hear your things. Okay. I'll do my things. We'll talk again in a month, you know? 
So you're taking the purify route. Is that the purify route? I, that's pretty much what he did. Okay. I think he gave him a chance. He's like, well, look what I've done for the company. I, I did enjoy that scene where he's walking back to his desk and he keeps mine. stopping. Mine, 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 mine. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a good scene, too. Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. All right. I, I think I'm probably the same way. Like, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm not the type of person to throw a fit or to start an argument or a confrontation or anything like that. I, I think mine is I'm going to present my facts, and uh, if, uh, if there's no worthwhile feedback and it feels like there's nowhere to go from here, then I leave my, my badge and my gun on the desk, and I excuse myself and walk out like in every cop show ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's the way. Yeah. No, uh, no, need, no need to make a scene. Mm-mm. Although if I had the opportunity to, I might start pointing and swing mine, mine, Well, mine, mine, mine. mine. I mean, you gotta, that's, you it's, it's gotta be, it's a great way to go. You gotta let them know. Right. Right. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for jungle fever. Um, so thank you all for joining us for this one. Um, there's actually, I did want to mention, let me see if I could jump to, I got to jump to the jungle fever cast list here real quick, because I do believe I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned this, uh, especially for our sponsor scene stealers international. Um, I believe that, uh, Patty, one of the Italian guys, Joseph D'Onofrio is the actor's name, uh, Joe D'Onofrio. He shows up in the credits. Um, he is represented by Scene Stealers. So if anybody is interested in having him show up at your event or nice. your uh, convention, um, reach out to Scene Stealers and let them know that you would like to have that done. So it's scenestealersglobal.com. Um, I just want to knew he was in this movie, so I want to make a point of that one. Um, our next episode's coming up in the month of September. Our Patreon episode, which we've already recorded. Uh, Pat and I had a lovely dinner conversation about my dinner with Andre. So that one's, yeah. that one's coming out later this month. Um, and then coming out next week, we've got White Fang, uh, the Ethan Hawke movie White Fang, 1991. We've got Dead Again, Frankie and Johnny, and then we end this month with Beauty and the Beast. And then in October, coming up, we've got the Patreon episode is Evil Dead from 1981, hitting its 40th anniversary this year. Then we've got <laughs> Silence of the Lambs. We have Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. We have Sleeping with the Enemy, and we have The People Under the Stairs. So some good, creepy stuff coming up for you for October. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for, for this time and for Jungle Fever. So we'll see you all back here next time for White Fang. Um, thank you, Pat. Thank you, Bo, as always, for hanging out here with me and talking movies. Thank you, John, for getting us together and uh, and bringing us this movie I'd never seen before. There you go. Yeah, thank you, John. Thank you, Bo. It's a lot of fun, as always. We've got podcast fever. I, you know, I didn't come up with any more lyrics. I wanted to come up with more lyrics for that. That's that's what we're gonna do the next time. And I just didn't have time to think about it. Donate at the Patreon level. We'll write a song. Yes, yes. Patreon, let us know, and we'll we'll write we'll write a song about podcast fever. I don't know if that's sacrilegious is not the right word. What am I thinking of? Whatever it is, it probably is. All right. Before we get ourselves in trouble, we'll see you all back here next time.